RadioInfluence.com. Welcome back to the Lawfather Podcast. We are back in the original Lawfather Studios. Yeah, LFS, as uh, my boy DJ Eakin calls it. And I just found out that uh, pod is not just an Eakin term. It is actually what the cool kids call it. So uh, my man Jason, thanks for everything and Radio Influence. Make sure you check out all the shows on Radio Influence. Make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast and check us out on social media. So right now we're actually running it live uh, on TikTok as well as uh with you all on the pod itself and on YouTube. So you can check us out on all those different places. And today we're going to talk about a couple different topics, uh, really kind of pertinent to uh, what's going on right now. I mean, today is, uh, I think it's January 30th. It's a Monday. Uh, Jason's telling me yes. Uh, I like to include Jason in this because I, I get lonely over here. Just I talk to myself and you all uh, on the cameras and on the audio. But, um, you know, it was a couple, a couple big things. One national. Tyree Nichols. So we're going to talk about that and one more local. Although I, I do think uh, because Governor DeSantis has ruffled some feathers, if you will, uh, he makes more national news. And hey, we're a big state. It's not like we're, I was going to name a small state, but we're just going to go with, it's not like we're a little small state out of the middle of nowhere. So I think nationally, uh, people care about what happens in Florida. Plus, the weirdest things happen in Florida, right? I mean, who else has a man, right? We have Florida man. Uh, have you ever heard of North Dakota man? No, we got Florida man. So anyway, you know, so let's look first at, at this Tyree Nichols uh, uh, incident, um, for lack of a better term. I, you know, I don't know, I don't know what we want to call it, but uh, it, it's just, it's bad all the way around, right? And, and admittedly, if you've listened to the podcast before, you know, I don't watch those videos. I just don't. Okay. Um, I didn't watch this one. Haven't watched any of them, right? The only times I have is actually when I've been on uh, DJ Eakin's show. So check, shout out to him, check out his show. Um, and especially the ones that we've collaborated on. But when he asks me to come on and talk about a specific incident, I'll go ahead and I'll watch the video so I, I can interact and talk with him. But having spent six years in law enforcement, I purposely don't watch the videos. Uh, I find it to be better for me not to, okay? Um, just for my own mental health. And, and I think, you know, that's that's where I want to go with this. Okay, so I, I want to take a moment and talk about it. And I, I don't want there to be any thought process in anything that I'm going to talk about that is meant to excuse or say that it is halfway okay as to what happened. Okay, and, and I think I think the biggest difference in this particular incident and some of the other ones is that the five, now there was a six, and I don't know anything about the six because I just read it just before the podcast that there was a six officer that was involved and um, the quote was that he was relieved of his duties. Um, I, I'm presuming that means that that officer was fired. That said, prior to that sixth one, the five officers involved are black. Tyree Nichols, black. Okay, just is what it is, right? That those are the facts, and I I'm, I can't help but start to think about what the differences are in this, right? And all along, all the other incidents that we've had over the last couple of years in this country, it's it's been touted as a well, the officers were white, so it was clearly racial, and I've come on and talked a little bit about how 
maybe it's not right. And, and, and I don't want to believe, right. I don't want to believe that we as a country have the capacity to do that, right. To, to have such a strong divide like that. But what it does start opening up and it does start getting me to think about having been there, right? This unit that, that uh, I think it was Memphis Police Department. I know it was in Memphis, but I'm assuming it was, it was city of Memphis Police Department. Um, the, the police chief came from Durham, North Carolina. She was a police chief uh, for this department there in Tennessee and created this unit. It was a essentially a mirror image of what was used in Durham. And Durham, if you don't know Durham, Durham was a pretty rough place. I think it's gotten a little bit better. Um, my family, I have family that lives in uh, in that area. So, you know, kind of kind of knew the area just a little bit, enough to know that, you know, you don't go to Durham, right? At least uh, a few years ago. And, and so this unit was created to go after the worst of the worst criminals, okay? And, and look, having having been there, if you will, um, you talk about creating a unit that their sole purpose is to go after the worst of the worst. I don't think anybody has ever really stopped to think about, and I'm going to challenge all of you listening, all two people listening to the podcast and all the people that are on the live. I want to challenge you all to think about maybe there's another cause, right? Maybe, just maybe these guys and by these guys, I mean these officers didn't start out bad, okay? Maybe they weren't bad guys when they started. Maybe, just maybe. And remember, I'm not excusing anything that happened, okay? So let's not confuse what I'm about to talk about with I'm saying what happened was okay because I'm not. That is not what I'm getting at, okay? But maybe something changed, right? So when you're talking about units like this, they're, they're usually considered to be elite units. So you're not talking about the rookie, right? The rookie patrolman who's in and all of a sudden gets assigned to this unit. No, you're talking to usually some veterans, right? Usually somewhat hardened. Now, I think about it like this. If you spend every single day, right, dealing with the worst of the worst people that society has, okay, do you not think that might change you, right? It, I mean, it it kind of comes back to some of the theoretical when we look at um, criminology and 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 the academic side of criminal justice, right? Where there's a theory where, hey, you grew up in a bad neighborhood, you're predisposed to a lot of these bad things, and it, it changes your outlook on things, it changes your mentality, right? Just because you're a cop, right? I don't think that changes things. If you're spending between eight and 12 hours, and I don't know if they're on eight hours or, or, t- or 12 hour shifts, it's usually eight, 10 or 12, right? And most most places are more towards the 10 or 12. Put it like this though, it doesn't matter how many days, or how many hours each day, figure at least 40 hours a week, right? You're spending with the worst of the worst and you're seeing the worst of the worst and, and, you're, and you're reacting to the worst of the worst. And, and you're on this heightened alert of, I know that guy is a bad guy. And I'm not talking, when I say that guy, I'm not talking about Tyree Nichols. I'm talking philosophically for the moment, right? That guy right there that I know is a drug dealer that has been arrested for guns, it's been arrested for attempted murder, that, that has a warrant for murder, right? That's a bad, bad guy. Like, hey, you know, a lot of times we would have intel. Yeah, this guy has guns, right? You're on this high alert, right? And, and, and you know, maybe you know, hey, this guy's fought the police before. 
fistfights. What I, I mean, look, I, I knew guys when I was working, like you knew who the bad guys were. You knew the guys that were fighting, right? That would fight you the moment you went up there. And it puts you on this alert, right? And, and to think that some of that doesn't change you because in a sense, and I, and I, I hesitate to say this, but in a sense, right? You got to meet them. You're supposed to be at a higher level, right? And you're supposed to be making all the right decisions. But if somebody wants to fight you and you know that they're going to fight you or that they want to kill you, doesn't that change things a little bit for how you're going to react, right? You always want to be one step higher than they are. Don't you think that causes some aggression? Don't you think that may cause some sort of changes in your in your brain and in your emotional system, right? So what I want to challenge you to think about is those things are real. Those things are happening, right? And police departments as a whole, and look, I worked in two large agencies, right? One is I think the second largest in the, in the state, um, actually maybe third. I think it's probably Jacksonville Metro, because it's the county and the city. Uh, Miami-Dade is also a metro. They're big and Hillsborough County. I think those are the three biggest. Um, I think it's actually in that order. But between Hillsborough County and Pinellas County, look, great agencies, absolutely great agencies. Great with training, okay? And it's been, it's been 11 years since I've been out, okay? We've learned a lot in the last 11 years about mental health and how our brains work, right? I mean, to, to dumb down the example, just look at football, right? How much have we learned about football and, and how much have has the medical community learned about the impacts of taking hits to the head in football, right? Now, look, I'm not talking about taking hits to the head, but I think we've learned a lot about the way the brain works. And I think we're fooling ourselves to ignore the fact that maybe, just maybe, these agencies need to take a, a closer look at, at what goes on and, and the mental health of these officers, right? And I am not by any stretch of imagination excusing anybody's actions because at the end of the day, you own your actions and you should know right from wrong. And those other officers who stood there and just watched it happen, okay, you're just as much the problem, right? Yes, it takes a big person to stop somebody from doing something wrong, especially in that line of work, especially if you're the new guy and that's a veteran guy right there. It takes a lot. You're going to, back in the day, you were going to get ostracized. I don't think that's the case anymore. I think we have finally reached the point in our society where you're not going to be ostracized, okay? But you sure as heck are gonna pay the price for sitting around and watching it happen. But my point is this, I think we need to lo start looking at a root cause and not just go, we need to change policing policies or police are racist and it's inherently a racist uh, institution, okay? We, I, I think we need to stop looking at it from that perspective, all right? And I think maybe, just maybe, if we can look at the root cause and at least look into deciding whether or not some of this has to do with the job itself and the people that you're coming coming into contact with every day, right? That is what I think needs to happen, all right? So I challenge the officers that are listening, that are out there, challenge any of the agencies, 
Maybe let's look into the mental health programs. Maybe there should be some mandatory counseling, right? I mean, that's the reality. I don't watch those videos because I don't want to replay anything in my own head. That's it. That's the long and the short of it, okay? I think it's time that we do that. I think it's time that we examine these things because it may not be policing as a whole that's the problem, right? It may be the physical, mental, and emotional impact that policing has. These are people, right? At the end of the day, they're people, all right? Look, doesn't change what happened. I am not saying they were right. I am not excusing anything that was done. Okay. From everything I've read and I've read, read about it. I won't watch it, but I'll, I'll read things a little bit. I'll scratch the surface. Right. Um, there's no question, right? I mean, there's several Florida sheriffs and, uh, uh, Sheriff Guterri, uh, at a Pinellas County came right out and condemned the situation. And look, his words good enough for me. He was, he was a general counsel when I was there uh, at Pinellas County Sheriff's office. So, um, and, and the guys there, guys and girls there love him. So, um, you know what, if he condemns something, that's good enough for me. I don't have to, I could know nothing else. And if he goes, that was wrong, I'm on board. But, um, yeah, I, I would challenge the agencies to take a look at that. Okay. So, uh, and, and I'm just, you know, looking at a comment on, and we do the TikTok live on here. And one of the comments is, so you're saying the officers are becoming products of their environment. And, and I guess on a simplified level, yes, that is, that's what I'm in. That's what I'm saying. Right. And, and, and maybe, maybe we need to, to look at that and understand that. And, and there's probably a way to address that, right? There's probably counseling that is available out there and people smarter than me that know how to address these situations, right? My guess is, and I'm going a little bit deeper into this than uh, than I intended, but my guess is, right, our military probably goes through very similar things, right? And, you know, I I think maybe they may be lacking too on, on getting everybody kind of back assimilated back into normal everyday life, right? But I think it's very similar. So, Hey, maybe it's one of those things that the military and, and law enforcement can figure a way out to rectify this because this last one, it's not a racial thing, right? I, I mean, I, I suppose there are pundits, if you will, out there that are going to try to make it into that and that all police are bad. No, not all police are bad. Okay. So let's not bring that narrative into it. These police were bad. These, these, well, now six. Okay. Not everybody. Six does not make up the several thousands that uh, that are out there that do a really good job. Okay, so that is the uh, Tyree Nichols portion. I want to want to change gears into something. Uh, I say it's it's lighter than than that, but it sure as heck isn't life or death. And man, I I bet you could uh, come up with if you were a stand up comedian, you could probably come up with a couple of jokes uh, for these two. And and that is. That is, uh, it's two people, Jason. Um, that is, uh, I was going to call him Andrew, DeS- Andrew DeSantis. I was going to really put their names together. Andrew Warren and Ron DeSantis. Yeah. Uh, those of you who don't know who the two of them are, uh, uh, Andrew Warren, geez, I'm really, really trying to put their names together and make them, uh, you know, make them one person. Maybe they're, they're cousins somewhere along the way. But anyway, uh, Andrew Warren was the state attorney 
in Hillsborough County, and Ron DeSantis is the governor of the state of Florida. Key word there was and still is, right? Uh, Andrew Warren uh, to, has won two elections now, uh, or had won two elections to be the state attorney for Hillsborough County. He's a Democrat. Uh, Ron DeSantis is a Republican. Now, let's start there, right? I just, before we get into the details, why, maybe somebody smarter than me can answer this. Maybe Jason can answer this. Why is a state attorney a partisan position, right? A state attorney is the one, is the lead prosecutor in the state of Florida, well, uh, for the county, for the judicial circuit that they're elected in, right? They're the lead prosecutor for that area. Why is it partisan? Why should applying the law and deciding what we're going to prosecute and not prosecute be partisan? Judges, I'll share this with you, judges are elected officials that have to run nonpartisan. They cannot in any way, shape, or form make their party affiliation known. Okay? So why? Let's just start with the why, right? But anyway, that's that's a little bit beside the point of where we are. So Andrew Warren comes out and uh, and goes basically, hey, look, we as an office, we're not going to prosecute um, any abortion-related crimes and we're not going to prosecute any... Um, it, it was some sort of medical side of transgender, right? We are not going to prosecute that. We, as the state attorney of Hillsborough County, we're going to say it is decriminalized in Hillsborough County. DeSantis, Governor DeSantis, said, well, there's a small, tiny little problem with that. Uh, those things are illegal in the state of Florida, and uh, we don't want individual counties essentially decriminalizing things all on their own. Okay. Um, so that's, that's what got us to where we are. Right. And you know, what, what governor DeSantis was saying was basically, Hey, you know, Andrew Warren, you're, you're abusing your discretion a little bit. And look, there's a lot of discretion that state attorneys have. There really are in terms of what they prosecute and not prosecute. Uh, I know when uh, when Warren first started, they stopped cr- prosecuting a lot of bicycle cases, and it all came down to that was that was um, uh, it, it was more predominantly uh, there were more black people that had been stopped and prosecuted for bicycle stops than there were white people. I guess the stats say that. I, I mean, I don't know. I never sat down and did the stats. I always worked in in high drug, predominantly black neighborhoods. So um, I saw, you know, substantially more black people riding bikes than I did white people. But there were substantially more black people living in the neighborhood than there were white people. So um, I guess you could say that that was part of the problem, right? Um, but we found a lot of stuff on bike stops. I mean. I'll tell you what, we stopped everything. <laughs> it didn't matter if you were on a bike, in a car, um, crossing the street wrong. I mean, look, if 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 we didn't know you, we were going to stop you, right? And uh, and we found we we found out who a lot of bad people were that we were able to arrest for crimes later on because we knew who they were, right? But yeah, you know, Warren had decided, hey, that was not not an okay. We're not going to prosecute for that anymore. I was long gone from the sheriff's office um, by the time Warren. I was actually an attorney. I actually talked to Warren when he was running uh, the first time. So, um, 
you know, that, that was kind of what he ran on and that's what he was doing. And so he says all this and DeSantis says, nope, you're not going to do that. I'm going to suspend you. I am going to use my powers as governor of the state of Florida to suspend you. And he did. He did. He removed Warren from office and put in um, an interim uh, state attorney for uh, for the 13th Judicial Circuit, which is uh, Hillsborough County. So that is that is what happened. And then here here's where we go. Sometimes you got to pick your right court, right? And, and this is this is going to be and lead to Warren's downfall, right? In this, he sues DeSantis in federal court. Okay. He says, look, this isn't right. I have first amendment rights. I can essentially say what I want and I'm going to go to federal court. Well, sorry, Andrew, uh, it was wrong. <laughs> uh, federal court basically goes, uh, uh-uh, you can't do that. Right. We, uh, we're going to dismiss this whole thing. A uh, part of it was dismissed, uh, without prejudice, which means, uh, that this, the state law counts were dismissed without prejudice, which means he could refile those in state court. Uh, the federal counts were dismissed with prejudice. And, and the problem is you go, well, why? You know, cause the, the judge did say, Hey, DeSantis doesn't actually have the right to remove you from office, but me as a federal judge, I don't have the right to put you back in office. Right. You go, well, how does that make sense? Right. How does the judge all in one breath go, you're right, he's wrong, but you're still out of a job, right? How does that work? Well, it works like this. There is this little amendment, the 11th Amendment in the U.S. Constitution that prohibits a federal court from this type of, the type of relief, the, I didn't say the type of relief, which is a more of a legal term. Um, it, it prohibits, it essentially, I'm trying to bring it out of legal terms and into real life terms, right? It, it prohibits a situation where you can go, okay, this state official was removed and I'm going to put that state official back in, right? It also would prevent the opposite from happening, right? Hey, this state official's here in office and uh, something happened on the state level. So we, as the federal government is going to remove that person. And it, it comes down to this. It comes down to a lot, lot of what our U.S. Constitution is based on, and that is really there's a, a strong separation between the federal government and the state government, and that's done on purpose because that was one of the things, right? The the federal government, the or the federal government equivalent in England, was very strong and, and still is, right? There's, I believe, a lot of the European countries really run off of a, a really really strong federal governments, right? And there's not this the state government concept, right? Whereas we're the opposite, right? There's this really, really strong state government concept. Well, this 11th Amendment prevents that, prevents them from going, you're out and you're in, right? That just does. So that's why you got to know and pick what we would call your venue, your location, what court you file in. You got to pick the right one. You got to pick the one where you have the best chance of winning. So, um, that is why Andrew Warren still is not the state attorney. Now, I, I do hats off to him, I suppose, because uh, he did write a letter to DeSantis asking for his job back and, and pointing out some of the finer points uh, that that the judge had mentioned. But uh, I, I mean, I can't imagine that happening. That would, DeSantis would have to go, 
yeah, I was wrong. I'm going to put you back in. So uh, I don't have to, but I'm going to. Yeah, I, I don't see that happening. Now, does he does Warren have other avenues? Sure, he does. He could actually file in state court and see if a state court will will put him back in. He also, and, and this would probably be the path of least resistance with the exception of the fact that it is a Republican-controlled Senate. The Senate actually has to sign off on the suspension and removal. And he could actually essentially petition the Senate to bring him back in. Um, I don't think a Republican Senate that is following a Republican governor has any chance of letting a Democrat state attorney back in. That's just my opinion, right? Just just following how politics go. I still don't think that that position should be a partisan position. Hey, but it is. They didn't ask me my opinion on it. So that is why... Andrew Warren is still suspended. All right. So those of you listening on the podcast, loving it back here in Lawfather Studios, make sure you check out all the socials. Just check out at the Lawfather. You'll get to all the socials. You'll know if you're at the right one or not. All right. I'll leave it. I'll leave it to you on that. Okay. Lawfather out.